I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Collider Dailies. I'm sure you can tell that I am not John Aldrotz. I am Maggie Lovett. I am the host today and joining me is... Arzumin, also of Collider, obviously, and very excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. This is a special sneak peek to what's happening next week at Fan Expo when you and I will be taking to the creator stage to do Collider Dailies live. How excited are you to be going to San Francisco next week? I'm still in shock. It feels like yeah. it's happening to somebody else. Um, I was looking like through my camera roll yesterday at my very first Fan Expo here in Toronto. I was like 21 in my little cosplay and I'm like, we've come so far. Oh, I love that. You know, I was thinking about how just last year and just this year we were, you know, helping out on the um, press line at two Star Wars celebrations. And now you and I are uh, doing panels for some like seriously cool Star Wars talent. Uh, Do you want to talk about who you are uh, moderating for next week? So I'm fuzzy on the time. So check my socials for that. But Saturday I am moderating a panel for the Star Wars Rebels cast. So Ashley Eckstein, um, Vanessa Marshall, and Taylor Gray. And then Sunday is my big day. So I've got a panel with Sean Astin in the morning. Not Star Wars, but I'm also a big Lord of the Rings girly, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and then Iman Esfandi in the afternoon, which is wild, absolutely wild. And then my last panel on Sunday is Tamora Morrison and Daniel Logan. So the Boba Fett panel, which is something else I'm trying to wrap my mind around. <laughs> I am so excited about that one for you. But I also love that you get to talk to Ezra Bridger, like right off the heels of Ahsoka when no one's really got to talk to him yet about his experience. So like, that's going to be huge yeah. for you and him. Like the, like, you know, the last time he really got to talk about it big before we had all seen it was Celebration when the trailer mm-hmm. dropped. And there it was like, I was so honored to be playing a hologram of Ezra Bridger. And we're all like, it's not just a hologram. It can't exactly. just be a hologram. And it wasn't. So we get to actually properly talk about it now. 
I know I cannot wait for all of the goodies that is going to come out of next weekend. Uh, but now it's time to get into like the actual main show. We have so much to talk about. So much happened yesterday. And also so much is happening today in terms of just like the entertainment news coming out. You know, we got that little tease this morning that Frozen 4 is happening, which is yep. just insane. But yesterday we had kind of three big news stories drop. Uh, we found out that apparently Pedro Pascal is in talks to maybe be Reed Richards uh, for the MCU. Um, Dustin Daniel Cretton is, you know, exiting uh, Kang Dynasty. And then we also have the Shadow and Bone cancellation. Uh, but before we get into all of that, let's jump straight into the Pedro Pascal news. Um, you know, there has been months of rumors about who is going to be playing Reed Richards and honestly, all of the cast of Fantastic Four. So this seems like the first time we've got maybe some... Um, Incredible hints at who is going to be the fantastic family. What are your thoughts about Pedro Pascal being clearly number one in terms of who might be Reed Richards? So Pedro Pascal it seems like a lovely man. He is a lovely man. So this is not shade on Pedro, but I am extremely disappointed that it's not going to be Adam Driver. Um, Same. I went through like a full yeah. full rotation of emotions yesterday because that definitely felt like some credible rumors a few months ago yeah it was, um yeah. i was kind of on my conspiracy conspiracy board thing i'm like so he's gonna come and he's gonna be reed richards and then he's gonna be back under the disney umbrella which means by the time they're shooting the ray movie he's already on the payroll they've already got his new number like you know then they could just call him and he can come back so this was my mental process so it wasn't even really about reed richards but um all the same like i wish pedro well i'm gonna be seated i'm gonna watch it but I'm still grieving the uh, no Adam Driver. Yes. Well, we never know. It's not a done deal yet. Uh, Pedro Pascal is a very busy man. You know, there yes. was uh, news a few weeks ago. Well, I guess, wow, actually a week ago. It's only been a week since the uh, the strike came to an end. But we got that news that with Gladiator 2, he is booked and busy. And that means The Last of Us Season 2 is kind of having to hold off until he's done uh, working with Ridley Scott. I think it's, you know... It's interesting that he is, you know, up for Reed Richards. I think he would really pull it off. I think that he has a, a lot of the charm that Reed has. But Reed is also kind of a jerk uh, for anyone who has read, like, the Fantastic Four uh, comics and seen some of the other Fantastic Four attempts uh, in past years. So it will be interesting to see if he can pull off that kind yeah, of, I feel like of his, Reed Richards. His, his interview persona, I feel like he's barely suppressing this, like, happy yeah and i say this like, affectionately like golden retriever energy yes i'm like just i'm sure he can do it yes he's a good I, actor I have, yeah but. I have no, no doubt in that and i think that's why i was like oh adam driver makes complete sense because he's got the charm but you also know he can be he can flip that switch character. immediately yeah, so I, I'm curious to see. I really want to know who's going to be Sue Storm, since it does sound like this Fantastic Four script really focuses on her story. Um, I'm I'm hopeful it's a good a good pick. I know Vanessa Kirby is kind of up there right now as rumored everybody's fan favorite. Um, but I think Pedro was, was such a surprise because he wasn't really in the uh, the the run of rumors these last few weeks that that was a surprise. So I'm, I'm still processing it. Um, but there was a lot of news yesterday for MCU, you know, with Loki season two just coming to an end last week. There's a lot of questions about where the multiverse saga is going to be going. And we got news that Destin Daniel Cretton is exiting Kang Dynasty, which was supposed to be kind of the big 
culmination of all of the, the King stories. Um, I wasn't surprised by this. There's been a few yeah. rumors the last few weeks that that's all up in the air. And it sounds like maybe they're going to go in a different direction with a, a different villain. Um, but what are your thoughts, Arzu, on the whole Kang situation. Do you think that they should recast Jonathan Majors and have somebody else play Kang? There's obviously a great loophole for them to do that because of the whole Kang variance thing. I mean, they've, yeah. they've written it into the story already that they can uh, go a different direction. Or do you think they should just pivot? They have enough space and freedom to go after a different villain and start establishing something new for the multiverse saga. I think a bit of both i think you're right mm -hmm. that they do have that leeway to sort of recast them and be like this is a variant and this is kang now and we'll just we'll just roll with it i appreciate that him stepping away at least to me means that maybe they're gonna push that one back take some more mm -hmm. time kind of rework the story rather than sort of forcing it and powering through as is so i'm like if they want to take their time and kind of build to like the big sort of Avengers style event again because like you know the first Avengers was a massive massive event like the way they really took their time to build to it so if they want to do that again awesome I'm totally here for it so I hope that's what's happening and they're just like well we don't need you on this because by the sound of the report like he's working on other things with them he's mm -hmm. just not working on this so I'm hoping that means it's gonna be a little further out because I'm not opposed to them actually no, I would like them to wrap up the multiverse story as they have it set up rather than just kind of be like, never mind, here's our new villain. So I'm okay if it takes a little longer to get there. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm in the same mindset as you. Uh, you know, I think if they are chasing after the Fantastic Four and maybe trying to pull that together sooner rather than later, that definitely gives them the freedom to pull in some other kind of big villains. I know Victor Von Doom has been suggested quite a bit here recently as a potential villain. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Did you watch the Fantastic Four years and years and years ago that gave us, you know, Chris Evans as his very yes. first superhero uh, in the MCU. Um, what are your thoughts on that being the new villain that we have? Obviously, Victor Von Doom, not Chris Evans as uh, well, the Human Torch. I mean, if he wants to be... That would be... Mean. The multiverse is a thing. That would be quite the plot twist. Um, but So I have great affection for those movies because they mm -hmm. were like... I really gravitated to them. I'm like, we've got like, you know, the comic relief. We have this love story. We have this villain. So I really, really liked those movies when they came out. So if that's the direction they want to go in right now, I am 100% here for it. Like mm -hmm. the whole, I don't know if I'm misremembering this now, but like the whole push-pull dynamic with like Dr. Doom and with Sue and with like all of that, that was a thing in the movie, right? Yes. Yes. I think so. So that's all of that. I'm remembering it. Like, so. did I make, did, was I writing fan fiction? Is that what I'm talking about? No. So like this whole like push-pull of it all was very compelling to me then, mm -hmm. arguably more so now. So if they want to kind of go in that sort of direction, yeah. I would love that. It will be so. interesting to see if they go that avenue or if they explore the whole Namor Sue Storm story, because like that's yeah. definitely a big part of the, the comic book arc. And yes. they've obviously set it up. I mean, he's there now. He's actually in the MCU. He's not just a comic book character. Um, so I don't know. It'll be, I, it, I need, I need them to do the romance element. Um, whoever it is. Yeah. Like something, there needs to be some romance because that's part of so the, like, the romance, fantastic for romance that we make time for, not like, and they are also like, and there was also romance, like romance that we take the time to properly explore and develop. Yeah. 
I uh, am wholeheartedly in agreement with that. I think the MCU could do for some more romance. Um, you know, even looking back to the beginning of the MCU, we had some sweet romance with, you yeah. know, Tony and Pepper. So why it, not kick things off again with some more of that? Go back to your roots, MCU. Yes, exactly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, and then as we kind of wind down on the episode, you know, and this also came at the, the end of the day yesterday, Netflix, of course, just canceled a whole bunch of shows. Uh, and they are claiming that it was because of the strike. But I think you and I both know that is not the case, um, especially for the show Shadow and Bone, which uh, was canceled after two seasons, as was the um, planned spinoff for the Six of Crows. Um, I was personally very offended that they are trying to blame the strike for this one because uh shadow and bone season two came out on march 16th of this year which was um just Quite a, a while ago a few months before the strike uh so i thought that was uh, a bit of a snakish behavior to claim that it was the strike's fault for that when the show kind of came and went without much fanfare um, unlike season one, which was like this huge kind of moment in, you know, fandom for uh, Shadow and Bone fans. So what are what is your take on Shadow and Bone being canceled and the uh, Six of Crows kind of being canned before it could even take flight? So I also take issue with them being like it was the strike, because according to the, the Six of Crows Shadow and Bone writers that we've been seeing on Twitter, they wrote a lot of the scripts. They were ready to go. And, you know, mm -hmm. they, it's not like they needed to cast the crows and they needed to cast more characters. They had their cast. They had their scripts. It was just a question of getting the ball rolling again. So that seems very unfair to claim that it was because of the strike, because everything was already lined up. So I'm not surprised it got canceled. Um, I'm grieving for my friends who were diehard fans who are grieving. I am sorry because I know how much they wanted, especially the crows show. I'm not surprised given how much season two tried to do in its limited time frame like there was so much going on mm -hmm. that it kind of the whole thing sort of wound up feeling a little unfocused especially with like alina's plot because ostensibly alina was the lead yeah and there was a lot of focus on the crows which i get because the crows are very very interesting they are like, they have a really interesting subplot like their whole like underground I forgot the word, but like their little, not criminal gang, but their little gang and like the mm -hmm. mischief that they're causing is super cool. And like, I would have loved to see a Six of Crows show, but there was this whole other side of the narrative, like with Alina and the magic and the politics and like how the Grisha are treated in this world and like what they're trying to do to kind of gain some power and gain not second class citizenship and do the means justify the ends and all, all of that, or do the ends justify the means, all of that kind of wasn't serviced as mm -hmm. well as I would have liked to see. I so agree. So I'm not surprised, but I am saddened by it. Yeah, I have, I think I had a lot of the same issues with season two that you were just talking about, you know, yesterday on dailies, I talked about 
them killing off the Darkling, which of course is part of the books. I understand that that is like in service to what's already been established, but given the way that season two was written, it felt kind of like ham-fisted. And I also felt there was such a, like a discrepancy between how they handled the Darkling story in season one versus season mm -hmm. two. And there wasn't the build up that was required to really make that death mean something and not just be like, hey, we're killing off the villain. Now we're setting up all this stuff. And oh, also now the show's canceled. Um, it's like I think they didn't realize we were going to be rooting for him, given how yes. they wrote him in season one. Like, I'm not rooting for him like he is the hero, but like, yes, yeah. this man makes some good points. And it's like they realized that too late. So they overcorrected in season two, which mm -hmm. just made his characterization feel very jarring. Yeah, I thought those first couple of episodes where they were really trying to hammer home, like, he's a bad guy. I'm like, yeah, this would have worked if you had not, like, established that he actually has a tragic backstory and makes some really good points in season one. Like, that's a, a real jump to kind of push your audience to kind of come to a very different conclusion than they already yeah. have. And I think it's also just really indicative of how villains, especially, like, I don't want to call him an anti-hero because he's not an anti-hero. He's very much the villain. Um but nuanced, compelling yeah. villains, I think, are often sacrificed uh, kind of on this altar of like, you should have been rooting for them to begin with. And it's like, well, don't make them make points. I mean, also, if you want him to go so far past the point of redemption that even the people who are like, he's making some good points are like, eh, you can do that. There's yeah. a way to do that. Like, having a villain lose their perspective and lose what's driving them and slowly descend into points where even the people who are agreeing with them were like, I think you might be taking this a bit far. Mm -hmm. You can do that, but yeah. you need to devote time to that. You can't assume that we're already where you're at. Yeah. Like, yes, he is a bad guy. Like, cause that wasn't the darkling we were presented with in season one. Yeah. I, and, you know, connecting it back to some of the things we were talking about with the MCU, I mean, we've seen a lot of villains there, not to bring up Zemo, uh, but like I'm they shocked. make, they're villains that make good points uh, and establish things. And, you know, Killmonger's another one. Um, I do think that Wakanda Forever did really well with Namor and giving him this like beautifully nuanced, rich story and then the opportunity to be redeemed by the end of it and not be killed by Shuri on the beach. Like there's there's ways to handle villains and then there's ways not to. And I do unfortunately think that like Shadow and Bone kind of fell prey to this like mindset of no villain bad. And then the rushing to try to get to the Six of Crows spinoff just really um, kept them back from telling a better story. Because in the midst of all of like the rush and like the shortened season two, there is a really good story there. Like there's some really good stuff that they were doing with Lena. There's some really good stuff that they were doing with the Crows, but all of it's just kind of like a mixed bag. And then now, unfortunately, we're left with cliffhangers and unfinished story arcs that we will never ever get a chance to see with this cast. And that's what's really sad because like Jesse is incredible. They were so good as Alina and that story really deserved to be told. I loved the the suggestion at the end that like Alina was entering her villain era mm -hmm. because I'm, I haven't, I haven't read the books because there's some things in there that make me sad. So I'm just not going to do it, but I don't know if that was in the books. I don't think it was. But the fact that, yes, this person has been given all of this awesome power and this authority and it's like affecting her now is such a cool narrative. It's mm -hmm. not something we get to see that often. So I was I was ready for a season three because that was the big thing I wanted to see resolved. Now, there are some characters in the books that I'm very attached to in the show 
that don't make it out of the book. So the fact mm -hmm. that I'm never going to have to watch that is a little bit of a relief. But I'm, I'm sad that I don't get to see how this version of Alina's story is going to play out. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely glad that I don't have to see what happens to Matthias. Yeah, uh, I wasn't screen. ready for it. Well, I was like, I was excited to see the actors get to play with that because that's like such a like traumatic arc for a lot of characters and like the fallout of it and the introduction of new characters. Like there's a lot of fun stuff that those actors could have got to explore on screen. But as an audience member, I'm glad I never have to see that because I also don't want to read the books because I know what happens. So it's like there's it's it's kind of a funny situation to be in when like you're like, I want to see this, but I also don't want to see this. Um, I want to see it if you'll change the ending. Yeah, which maybe defeats the purpose, but it does make me afraid, though, that this is going to be a familiar trend yet again with Netflix and some of the other streamers that they have these shows that have been on kind of a, a, a long lead waiting to find out if they've been canceled or renewed. And I feel like this gave them all this kind of potential to say, yeah, it was the strike that caused us to cancel this and not the fact that the show came out nine months ago and there's been absolutely no movement on it since then. Um, so. It's not even like our issues with Shadow and Bone were things you couldn't fix. No, like you could easily in, in fix the, them with a, a slightly season. longer season three. Yeah, like there are, you know, think of your favorite long running series, whatever it is. Like there are definitely seasons in there where you're like, this was not your best work. Yeah. But it it picks back up because they like they tried something, it didn't work. So they kind of go back to what worked better. They learn their lesson, they pace it better. And then the next season comes out much stronger. So like you said, like I'm worried this is a trend that like where they equate not immediate success with nobody wants this and yeah there's so much space in between those two ideas well you know what you just said think about your favorite long-running show like i have had a few uh very controversial relationship with them now but season two was always kind of shaky on almost yeah. all of them like that tends to be like the sophomore slump and then they come back in season three like hitting the ground running and you just have like this run of fantastic episodes. And I do think also with Netflix, like they've cut seasons down from what used to be 23 episodes to then like 10 episodes to eight episodes to six episodes. And that's just not long enough to tell a good story um, in the, the way that TV kind of demands it. So it's unfortunate that this has become a trend and I was really hoping with some of the stuff with like writer's rooms and, and minimums and all of the things that the WGA won, that this was going to be the start of better television. But with a lot of things getting canceled, I am once again feeling kind of skeptical and kind of hopeless, which is unfortunate. And it's frustrating because this was already written. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad for them. I cannot imagine being commissioned to write an entire season of television and then just being told, hey, sorry you were on strike, but we canceled your show because you were on strike. And like on the one hand, at least they got paid. But on the other hand, they wrote an entire season of television they can never use. Yeah, so. it's um, a depressing reality of this industry. And, you know, I think it's something that a lot of fans also don't often get to see inside of that. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that sometimes the season is completely written um, and then you find out it's canceled, which yeah. is just 
unfortunate. Uh, and on that really somber and sad <laughs> note, <laughs> that is how we are going to wrap up today's Collider Dailies. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, some new faces today. It's quite fun to uh, play with new dynamics on here. And I'm really excited to get to do this live next week with you. Cannot believe that we will both be flying off to San Francisco in a week. A week today. Uh, so excited about that and i'm really excited just to see all the fun stuff that we get to experience at fan expo because it's not just about our panels there's also so many other really cool panels at the event that we will be going to and hopefully reporting some fun things from uh so i hope that if you are not able to join us in san francisco you will be looking to our socials and looking to all of the fun news that we put up on collider next week um until tomorrow i don't know who will be here it'll either be me and john me and perry who knows? Maybe it'll be a mystery person. Uh, but we will be back tomorrow to hit on all of the high and low points of the news today. So be sure to um, watch this space and be back tomorrow. Until then.